A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. everybody and welcome to movie crush mini crush a dish it's wednesday though chuck that's weird <laughs> it's wednesday and it's not 9 a.m oh you're right i'm all thrown i'm shook we're drunk well <laughs> we're drunk on power maybe my kid texted me the other day that she was shook i'm like where do you kids where do you get these the slang really? nine-year-old yeah she was shook I know I was. It was because I saw the guy, one of the guys from Stranger Things, which she loves, at my neighborhood bar, and I texted her, and she was like, I am shook. <laughs> they grow up so fast. It's weird. You know? How you doing? I'm doing okay. I, I got dumped, Chuck. What? Yeah, man. So I, I'm, I need to crush out to, to mitigate my, my sorrow. You uh, no longer? No longer. Oh, man. I know, man. What a bummer way to start the show. I just wanted to put it out there in case yeah. I start, you know, sobbing in a corner while we record this episode. Jeez, well, I feel like we should talk off mic. Oh, yeah, we could totally do that. Uh, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> it's okay, man. It happens. What a real moment. It's a very real moment in mini crush history. Oh, jeez. Well, mm. you can move in with us. Hey, thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. Actually, you didn't get kicked out of your house. So. No, no, no. no. <laughs> we, weren't, we weren't married, Chuck. It was a, a girlfriend situation. Oh, all right. Well, we'll chat later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and by the way, Noel, I don't know if you noticed the back of that large Mac monitor mm. is, did you see the cartoon? No. Just step around Hold real on. quick and hang check on, it out. On. Here I go. For folks of you at home, I'll, I'll post a picture of this. But uh, we had the animator, the, um, I can't remember his uh, technical director maybe is his, is his official title, Mike Hollingsworth of BoJack Horseman. And he had a Sharpie and I was like, I feel like you should draw something here and I don't know where and I was like well why don't you draw it on the back of this Mac monitor <laughs> our tech our IT guy is going to be enraged do you think he is no I kind of wondered 
because I texted Jerry right after. I was like, if the animator for BoJack Horseman were to have drawn in Sharpie on this Mac monitor, would you be mad? She was like, no, that'd be great. Yeah, good. So I immediately sent her the picture. Jerry's chill. Yeah, what does it say? It says cab- uh, cab- 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 Caballo Triste, cab- which I think yeah. is Sick Horse. Okay. And uh, he drew a little cartoon, so yeah. we'll, we'll post it on the social media. That's a good call. That, I, cool. I think it's a you know these 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 Macs they're so clean and austere. Yeah, need need fuck them up, man. Let's, that's let's like go, a, go to town. That's memorabilia. Absolutely, now. and that should be the new thing. Movie crush guest should sign the the Mac. Oh wow! I, I'm I'm should we my, do that? I think so. All yeah. right. Well, why not? Okay, so uh, this week, everybody, we uh, are going to do a couple of uh, actually nothing super different this week. That's coming next week. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, but we're going to go ahead and start off with Hollywood history. Hollywood history. And today I'm going to briefly cover the death of John Belushi. It's going to be sad, Chuck. It is going to be sad. It's going to be triggering. Uh, well, it depends on how much you like John Belushi. Well, trigger warning. If you like John Belushi, <laughs> it might be sad. Spoiler, he died. And by 1982, it was well established that John Belushi had uh, some problems in his life, yeah, some addiction problems, mm-hmm. all sorts of drug use, alcohol, uh, a larger-than-life man and actor and comedian, and uh, like so many, had large appetites for all things. Um, and you know, John was well known to to do a lot of cocaine. And by this point in his life, he was tempering that cocaine with pills some and heroin some. Just a bad way. It's a real real cocktail there. Uh, So on March 4th, 1982, uh, Mr. Belushi and a woman named Kathy Smith, who uh, she was sort of a part-time singer and part-time groupie and part-time drug dealer. She was known in her early years for hanging out with the band, uh, one of my favorite groups of all time, and uh, reportedly had a, a... a band baby, um, paternity unclear, but some member of the band, either Levon Helm or Robbie Robertson or Rick Danko or Garth Hudson or uh, Richard Manuel impregnated her. Oh, I go okay. And they, she was just known that was the baby was known as the band baby because they didn't know who. Jeez. So anyway, she hung That's out wild. with the band a lot. Her name was Kathy Smith, and she was well known to um, sort of deal uh, with high profile musicians and and cocaine. Let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a golden time for cocaine. It was a golden time. It was before they knew it was bad for you. Yeah, no, actually, just, I don't think that's true. No, but I think it was just wide rife in in the acting scene and bands. You know, people would use it because it helped them work long hours and crazy grindy sure. schedules and you know touring and stuff. I mean, it's it's it makes sense, but it's you know it yeah. takes a toll. Well, you hear the old stories about uh, crew members on movie sets in the seventies being paid overtime in cocaine. <laughs> they would just be like, guys, we need a couple more hours out of you. Here you go. Yeah. And everybody would be like, sweet, let's do it. Okay. <laughs> uh, so she was out partying with John Belushi and uh, a, a writer from Saturday Night Live named Nelson Lyon. And they were, you know, drinking lots of booze. They were snorting lots of cocaine. Uh, they went out in West Hollywood to uh, the Roxy, uh, the very famous club. There was a sort of a secret nightclub above the Roxy called The Rocks, which is where they went. Uh, after that, they went to the Rainbow Room, had some dinner. Uh, apparently, Belushi just had a little bit of soup uh, because I don't think you are probably super hungry after getting drunk and doing tons of blow. And uh, he said he wasn't feeling good, so he wanted to go back to his hotel room at the Chateau Marmont to the infamous Bungalow 3, 
which I have hung out and partied in several times, which I'll get to in a minute. Oh, man, cool. So uh, Smith was there, and Belushi asked her to shoot him up with a speedball, which is a often deadly combination of cocaine and heroin in a needle. Not something you ever want to try, folks. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> I imagine it is. And uh, she said, and this came out later in court testimony because she was eventually uh, would be brought up on charges uh, for murder because she injected John Belushi. He asked her to, but uh, she injected him with what she said were 11 different uh, injections of speedball throughout the night, which is just a massive amount of drugs. Yeah, I can't even. That was mind-boggling to me. Yeah, even for Belushi. So uh, Robin Williams stopped by at one point uh, and hung out at the at the Chateau for a very short time, did a little bit of blow, as Robin Williams was uh, known to do. Well, there's that stand-up special where he keeps disappearing backstage yeah. and is very clearly... Yeah, and Coke. Sure, sure. Back in the day, he, he was a well-known uh, party guy. Uh, but he said, and these are quotes again, he said that he was creeped out by Kathy Smith and thought she was a, quote, lowlife. So he didn't hang out long. Uh, Robert De Niro, who uh, had been uh, sort of trying to catch up with Belushi all night, eventually stopped by at 3 a.m. And apparently it's just by that point was not a good scene inside there. So De Niro didn't stick around long either. Uh, and she... Continued to shoot him up with these speed balls. Eventually, she left, put him in the shower, showered him up, put him to bed, and then she uh, she got out of there. The next morning, uh, the personal trainer is what they called him. Uh, he was sometimes Belushi had personal trainers that were really bodyguards to try and keep him from doing drugs, as assigned by the uh, movie studios. He came in, found Belushi uh, dead in the bungalow, uh, in a fetal position on his bed pillow over his head, and it's pretty gruesome. So if you don't want to hear this next part, you might want to tune out for 10 seconds. Uh, his tongue was sticking out, and his body was discolored on the side where all the blood had settled. Mm. So just a really rough scene. Tried to resuscitate him, didn't work. Only 33 years old. And uh, Kathy Smith was later brought up on charges and plea bargained down and spent, I believe, 15 months in jail after admitting that she essentially killed John Belushi. Very, very sad. Yeah, that's really terrible. Um, it, it, in a, to end on a slightly funnier note, it's not really funny because this is kind of what... <laughs> Bring led, it up, Noel. Uh, oh, I'm just reading about how the Blues Brothers movie um, had... It was an interview with Dan Aykroyd for uh -huh. Vanity Fair, and apparently the movie had a line-item budget oh, item sure. for cocaine. Yeah, I mean, if you read the making of, although he wasn't in Caddyshack, the making of Caddyshack, the making of Blues Brothers, there are lots of great articles about just the... Uh, debauchery that surrounded those productions. Pretty amazing. R.I.P. Belushi, though, man. Yeah, man. He he was uh, far too young. We lost a great talent. And uh, every year in the summer, I typically get to hang out in that chateau, uh, Bungalow 3, uh, with Hodgman. Uh -huh. he, he rents out that particular suite and uh, or particular bungalow and has people over and we all hang out. And uh, it's pretty interesting. It's... um. Sort of like a mid-century modern two-bedroom apartment. It's got these big, you know, you walk in, there's a living room with a fireplace to the left, a sort of medium-sized kitchen to the right, and down the hall you have a couple of bathrooms and a couple of bedrooms. And then uh, off the living room is a big open patio with sliding doors. And first time I went there, I was like, this is where Belushi died, huh? And Hodgman walked me back to the bedroom. He was like, right there. Um, obviously different bed. 
Have you heard of the band Death Grips? No. Well, there was a thread on the Movie Crushers Facebook page um, where people were like, what music biopic would you most like to see? And I'll have to find the the name of the guy who had this conversation with, but he said the band Death Grips. And the reason is they're sort of this weird kind of artsy hip-hop group, two people, but they're known for just like these crazy shenanigans. So they basically like took all their record label advance for this record – lived at the Chateau Marmont for like a month oh, wow. and then leaked the record themselves huh. before it came out like as a <laughs> as a bit of a art kind of fuck you thing. Really? And they were known for like scheduling shows and not showing up on purpose uh-huh. as like sort of a weird performance, like, performance art, <laughs> art where they would just have a drum set and like no intention of, of actually showing up in just really? a video screen. So these these guys are, and then the, the, the main dude, lyricist, um, MC Ride is an excellent visual artist as well. Really cool story, but total Chateau Marmont. I wonder if it was that particular bungalow that they, that they rented uh, out. I don't know. Bungalow three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's one next door which is a mirror image of Bungalow 3, and I've been in that one too. But um, it's a pretty, pretty cool scene. If you ever get the chance to hang out at the Chateau Marmont, I highly recommend it. Well, you should just invite me to this Hodgman throwdown. <laughs> it's cool, man, because to get to those bungalows, you know, you can go up through the hotel, and uh, and it's really a pretty magical property all the way around, a classic, classic L.A. property. But uh, to get in the other way, you go up the back street around the hotel, up uh, through the Hollywood Hills, and each little – Bungalow has their own little open parking garage, which is nice because parking sucks in L.A. And uh, then you enter through a a coded gate and sort of walk through just the most lovely rock garden and palm trees and birds of paradise and stuff to arrive at the front door of these bungalows. So there's a little insider scoop. Maybe uh, next year I will take photos and post them Uh, because there aren't a ton of them actually at that bungalow. They try to keep it secret. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, And to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Uh, All right, we're going to move on to social studies. Social studies on movie crush. Uh, I threw this one out today. Uh, sometimes Emily and I, and I imagine you too, Noel, get bummed when you hear about a Hollywood couple that is broken up. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, like, like you. I'm sorry to bring this up. <laughs> uh, <Bye. laughs> yeah, I got bigger fish to fry, Chuck, but I'll play your reindeer games. Uh, <laughs> so I posed the question, what real life Hollywood breakup would bum you out the most? And here's what people had to say. Uh, Sanchi Ann Glover, Emily Blunt, and John Krasinski. Yeah, for sure. I'm with you there. Uh, Peter Middleton, Will Smith, and Jada Pinkett. Samantha Sark says Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively. Uh, all right. I'm with you there. Uh, Jenna Van Valen. Oh, boy. You almost have the best name ever, Jenna. Uh, and she got the most likes and hearts. She said Kristen Bell and Dax Shepard. So I think a lot of people are in that camp. Uh, Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson says Michelle Benjamin Goldner. For sure. Nobody wants to see Tom Hanks get divorced. You kidding me? It'd be the worst thing ever. Uh, Megan Carroll, she's she's uh, participates a lot in here. Thanks, Megan. She says uh, Nick Offerman and Megan Mullally, for sure. Oh, I'm behind that one for sure. That would be super mm-hmm. sad. Yeah, they seem great. Yeah. Uh, let me see here. Jimmy Mallory, uh, Chris Pratt and Anna Ferris. Pratt and Anna Ferris really bummed me out. Uh, but in general, I do not care so much. All right. I hear you. Uh, Helen Lyon says, Jamie Lee Curtis and Christopher Guest. Sure, they've been together forever. I would hate to see that as well. Uh, Let me see here. Another vote for Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson. That's sort of all over the place. I think they're a beloved couple. So Elliot, uh, I'm sorry, Everett Miller chimed in again for that one. Uh, Let me see. Jane Longshore was bummed about Amy Poehler and Will Arnett. To be sure, that was uh, pretty disappointing. To find out. But here, here's the deal, folks. You never know what's going on on the inside. You know? You don't know what real life is like for these people. I'm going to assume that it's miserable for all of them. <laughs> Boy, a lot of people are going with Dax and Kristen and Hanks and Wilson. So uh, they are clearly beloved couples and Krasinski and Blunt. They're just so upbeat, too. Kristen Bell uh, and Dax Shepard just seem like really positive types you know sure. you talked to Dak Shepard right yeah yeah was he posy cool was he pause he was pause nice <laughs> uh, Kathy Jean boy I agree with you here she says Kevin Klein and Phoebe Cates uh, they've been together for a long long time so that would be super sad uh, a lot of people don't care how about that 
Uh, Edwin Forrest Glenn says, Ellen and Portia de Rossi. I was going to say that one, too. Yeah? Only because um, Portia gave Ellen a birthday present on the Ellen Show, and it was, like, her own, like, a, a wildlife refuge named after her, like a gorilla research center in the rainforest named after Ellen. Yeah. Um, in honor of, like, Jane Goodall's work. Or sure. Who Ellen uh, admired very much. And it was just a really nice moment. A nice thing, like, you know, when you have everything, what kind of birthday present do you give? That was pretty thoughtful. <laughs> Uh, Ian Bowers is Danny DeVito and Rhea Perlman. Are they still together? Surely. They seem just perfect for each other. Agreed. Uh, Danielle West is still sad over Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston. Wow. She's Wait, like I'm sorry, what? Two couples ago. What? <laughs> They're not? Are you kidding me? Uh, Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis says, a little bit wolf. I don't know if that's a real name. A little bit? Yeah. That's, that's, that's a nice one, though. That's a nice pseudonym, though, if it is. Agreed. Uh, Don Morris, uh, Kevin Bacon, and Kira Sedgwick. I totally agree there. They've been together a long time. I guess this thing, too, like so many of these Hollywood couples are such flashes in the pan. I think the ones that would bother me the most are the ones that have been together for a really long time, weathering all that Hollywood bullshit. Absolutely. I think that's the takeaway here. Yeah, for sure. Kurt and Goldie, a lot of votes for them. I mean, that would be super disappointing. They never got married, but long-time couple. Uh, Fran Staley says Denzel Washington and his wife uh, agreed. Oh, here's a good one. Zach Pointer uh, says Michael J. Fox and Tracy Pullen. Uh, for sure. They've been together forever and have been through it all. So that would be that would be really sad. Uh, a few votes, even though um, Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward are no longer with us. Wait, is she still with us? Joanne Woodward? Mm-hmm. I Paul do Newman's not know. Wife. I don't know. Uh, if they had broken up, people said uh, retroactively, then that would have been really, really bad. And I totally agree. They're one of the classic Hollywood couples. She is still living. She is? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Great. Jeez, I feel bad now. I should have known that. <laughs> no, no. It's, they're dropping like flies, man. Uh, let me see here. One vote for uh, Amy Madigan, and she says Tim Harris, but I believe that's Ed Harris. Uh, Bridget Benalicia. Uh, let me do a couple of more. Uh, a bunch of Nick Offerman and Megan Mullally's, Alex Doty and Tess Sullivan, uh, Andrea Cruz. Uh, says Kevin Bacon and Kira Sedgwick. A um, couple of Josh and Chucks in here. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Did, did you hear that there's Josh and Chuck fan fiction out there? Do you know about this? Oh, is there really? Yeah. Uh, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. What kind of fan fiction? Uh, slightly erotic. Okay. About us two? Mm-hmm. Getting it on? Yeah, you mainly just being, just broing out super hard. <laughs> All right. I'll have to check that out. Uh, Julia Nilsson says, Francis McDormand and Joel Cohen. Uh, I agree. That would be a bummer. They seem pretty well suited. Uh, all right. I think that is about it, everyone. Uh, one more vote from Carrie Sullivan Cloud, John Krasinski, and Emily Blunt. Wow. So it's really like five or six couples that people said over and over. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, all right, Noel, we're going to move on to uh, stream this. And then comment card. Uh, I figure we'd follow up on the OA since I finished it. Oh, yeah. And then mention another thing I just started watching, and maybe we'll start doing a, a, a two-part thing. Yeah, circle back. So, I finished the OA. Okay. <laughs> Spoilers upcoming, everybody. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It sort of lost me a little bit, uh-huh. but not completely. Okay. I wasn't like, nah, I'm not going to watch it anymore. I, I finished it all through. Emily was definitely more into it all the way through than I was. It definitely felt like they... It, it kind of had that lost vibe where it was like 
did you kind of decide where you were going with this, like, halfway through, kind of, a little bit? Like, I, I see what you're saying. I felt like the ending was really beautiful, where they were the, with the school and, mm-hmm. like, saving the kids from the school shooter, right? Isn't that, that what happened? pretty intense ending, yeah. Yeah, but it was also, like, that was sort of the moment, that was the one moment where you see a real thing, kind of, or, yeah. like, you know, and then, of course, the show ends. So, to me, that was a little bit of, like, a kind of, I don't know, it, it, it left me feeling a little bit... Um, Cold? Annoyed, kind Annoyed. of. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Here, I think here's what lost me. And this is, uh, I don't know if it's petty or it, something I should have just been able to get over easier. But honestly, dude, if they hadn't have made the the big thing that they all had to do to become one, that stupid, stupid interpretive dance. You didn't like the interpretive dance? I hated it, man. That was my favorite part. <laughs> Emily loved it. A lot of people love it. I just could not get past it's it. All, whoosh, 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 whoosh. They're like making sounds too, right? Yeah, and yeah. then the, the the big one that got me was when they went <laughs> and like hissed like a cat and did the magic fingers. I just, I don't know, man. I hated that. I yeah. was just like, it took me out of it every single time. And I was like, why couldn't they have just made it where they like join hands or something and con- just something a little less like... I'm guessing you're not an Alvin Ailey fan. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that because Emily loves Alvin Ailey. And while we were watching this, I said, this is like Alvin Ailey. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, modern dance. It is. It I'm is. not a fan. Yeah. It's it's not really something I gravitate towards, but I, uh-huh. I, I enjoyed it. It didn't put me off too too badly. Uh, yeah. I, I, kind of, I kind of liked it, actually. All right. No, a lot of people did. Emily loved it. She was very moved. And I, I was sort of a dick. She was... Um, and I didn't realize that I was being a big dick at the time, but uh, I was doing that thing where I was sort of making fun of it as the show kind of went on. Mm-hmm. And in the end, I was sort of making too much fun of it. And she was like, I'm enjoying this. Will you shut the fuck up, please, yeah, yeah. and allow me to enjoy it and uh-huh. not make fun of it? And I was like, oh, man, what a jerk. Yeah. Well, you know, at least you guys are comfortable enough with each other that, that she can tell you to shut the fuck up. Oh, of course. Like, I hear that 10 times a day. Mm-hmm. She's very comfortable. Um, and it's sort of a, you know, sometimes you both want to be making fun of the same thing. And we just weren't on the same page. So I'm going to watch the season two that um, I'm sure we're getting a pass on, by the way, Josh and I. We've not heard back from them. Oh, man. So really? That, yeah. I mean, it, when you don't hear back, it's called the soft pass. Yeah. You ever heard that term? Oh, I've, I've, I've been soft passed on many a time, <laughs> my friend. I didn't know that was a thing until I got soft passed on the first time. Like five or six years ago, we auditioned for a uh, some Discovery Channel show. And... Um, you just never hear back. And I was like, wait a minute. Surely they're going to call us and say, you didn't get it. But no. Nope. You just never hear. It's like professional ghosting. Professional ghosting. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season... We are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. 
I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in in a different aspect of my life now. So... How'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, now we're going to finish up with five questions from you to us. Uh, what's your? Uh, this is from Ralph. Uh, Ralph Spradley, what is your favorite movie from childhood? Uh, the pre-adolescent part of childhood. I don't know what adolescent means. Is that like twelve-ish? Yeah, I think so. Preteen. Well, I- I'm going to go then with the triumvirate: Star Wars, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and ET. It's a it's someone who's in the process of developing from a child into an adult. <laughs> by the way, that's what the internet says. What was your favorite childhood movie? Um, I really liked an American Tale a lot. Yeah, uh, with Fievel, you know, yeah. somewhere out there and all that. Um, I really liked The Secret of Nim, which I watched with my kids several years ago, and it like got me verklempt as shit because it was very nostalgic. I hadn't seen it since I was a kid, so uh-huh. it kind of brought me back. Um, and so I you like, were into mouse movies. I really like exclusively <laughs> mouse centric movies. Yes, bring on more mouse content, everyone. Yeah, whatever happened to that man? We need more. Good mouse cartoons. Agreed. Uh, let me see here. Rob Real, R-I-E-H-L, Ryle. Uh, what order would you suggest someone who is new to Star Wars watch them? You're definitely going to want to start with the prequels because those are the best ones. Um, Phantom Menace is a masterpiece. <laughs> um, Look at you goading, <laughs> goading the listeners. I'm not really. Uh, boy, I've never really thought about that because, you know, as a loyalist, I just watched them in the order they all came out. Mm-hmm. But now that you can legit order them, is there merit to that? Well, I mean, for a first timer, I, I I would say skip the prequels entirely and just watch the, the good ones. The, the good ones. 
which would include some of the newer ones are fine. The the Last Jedi and and uh, Force Awakens I thought were fun. I'm also not a Star Wars head. Sure. And, and I, our coworker not Holly, like Harry Potter. Holly, <laughs> have you have you seen the, the the people online unpacking how we feel about Harry Potter? <laughs> I love it. It's a giant thread. We talked about this already. But no, our coworker Holly Fry, who is a Star Wars. Uh, enthusiast, yes, she is. To put it lightly, mm-hmm. um, she will defend those prequels um, with her dying breath. Of course, she does. And so, you know, if 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 you want to watch them in chronological order, you would have to start with the prequels. Yeah. But if you want to not hate Star Wars, I would say watch the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's a good answer. If you want to not hate Star Wars, Shannon Lee, which director's filmography do you wish you had done yourself? Uh, do you most wish you had done yourself? Great question, Shannon. And uh. I say it often. I'm not going to overthink this. I'm going to go right out of the gate with Alexander Payne because I love, love, love Alexander Payne. What about you, Noel? Um, I'm a huge uh, Charlie Kaufman fan. Oh. I just think he's good pick, an incredibly fascinating writer mm-hmm. and a critic. And uh, when he directs, he does really, really interesting things with it too. I just think he can do no wrong. I think he's a, a genius. Yeah, agreed. I even managed to sit through uh, – uh, what was the name of that? Synecdoche, New York. <laughs> yeah. That movie's incredible. It is. It's a lot, though. Oh, it's a lot, a lot. But it's like it, it, it really warrants repeat viewing because it's got not that you would not that it's a fun movie. Yeah. But it's a lot, man. It's like encapsulated in that movie is like life and struggle with art and humanity and like getting old. Yeah, and man. it's like you know he said he wanted to make a horror movie, so he decided to make one about getting old. Jeez, that's the ultimate horror. I yeah, guess, huh? exactly. Uh, let me see here. Sam Lucian uh, Palowski says, are there any movies that make you angry? Uh, make me angry. I guess I've seen movies like uh, movies where injustices occur that make me angry. Those are probably the only movies that make me angry. Like uh, – I'm having a hard time, like, calling one up right now. I mean, an easy one is, like, a Schindler's List or something like that where you're seeing horrible injustices happening to people, you know, who can't defend themselves and stuff like that. My main thing is just anytime you see powerful assholes, mm-hmm. you know, crushing people under their boots that have no way to defend themselves, that, yeah. that bothers me. Yeah, and if it's done it. well, if for dramatic effect— then that's great. And it comes around, usually there's some kind of redemption or some kind of moment where they get their comeuppance. But those are the moments in movies uh, where, like like the scene in Schindler's List where the guy's uh, just shooting people off of his balcony with the sniper rifle or whatever. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah, and here's another thing too uh, along those lines is when most movies, usually the person might get their comeuppance uh, comeuppance because people don't like to see something uh, go unpunished. But the rare movies that are so dark that they do leave that unpunished, those are the most maddening to me and most upsetting. And that happens. For sure. Uh, all right. Final question. Uh, oh, here's a good one. Uh, Felicia uh, Trujillo Brian says, let's not forget about our beloved metal members of MovieCast. What is your favorite movie car of all time? Wow. My favorite movie car – of all time. That's so funny. Right as you said that, I was scrolling through the Movie Crushers page, and there's a GIF of the the guy from Mad Max Fury Road on the back of that crazy guitar amp truck. Yeah. That's an awesome movie car. <laughs> that is. And you know what? 
I will uh, – there's a few for me. I will say the Mad Max's car in the original Road Warrior and Mad Max that I don't even know quite what that car is. But they're like the supercharged black, you know, uh, dusty old black hot rod that he's driving. That would be up there for me for sure. Of course, the classic Mustang, Steve McQueen's Mustang from Bullet has got to be up there. Uh, and then, you know what, I'm going to go in a different direction. And I will say all of the checker cabs in Royal Tannenbaums, the old junky checker cabs, because it was such a weird thing to do in that movie uh, and such an odd choice to have these old dumpy beat up cabs uh, that uh, I don't think ever really existed in New York City. So those are my cars for now. Good picks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe the motorcycle from uh, Great Escape. People like Bullet. Did you did you say Bullet? Yeah, yeah, the Mustang. Yeah, I haven't seen it. For sure. I haven't seen it. Is it good? Should I watch it? Steve McQueen? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, watch anything with Steve McQueen. And go ahead, Internet. <laughs> Make fun of me for, for having so many holes in my movie knowledge. Somebody called me out about that. Noel, you're clearly depressed. I'm not depressed, man. I'm fine. We're going to get you out of this. I'm having a good time. <laughs> All right. <laughs> now go watch Bullet. All right, that's it for this week, everyone. Uh, your homework, I believe, is... Uh, oh, well, it's a crossover, everyone. Uh, the Great Friendly Fire podcast. My friends, Adam Pranica, uh, Benjamin Harrison, and John Roderick host a show called Friendly Fire on the Max Fun Network. And they are all three pals of mine. And we got to hang out uh, this June in California. And they do a their, their Friendly Fire podcast is about war movies. And I am such a big fan of their show. Uh, a lot of people don't listen to podcasts that their friends do in the industry. I am not one of them. I love the podcasts that my friends do. Uh, and so we sat down and did a, a legit crossover. So uh, Friendly Fire and I talked about Platoon, and it was a long, good, supersized discussion on Platoon that I'm releasing in full. They are also releasing the same content in their feed the same week. So we're doing a, a real crossover, but theirs is more edited and uh, will be slightly different. So, geez, maybe listen to both of them, see which one you like better. I just throw it all out there, everybody. So uh, watch Platoon. I highly recommend it. Great, great Oliver Stone. uh, Sort of a monumental uh, Vietnam War film from the 1980s. So check it out. I love Platoon. That was one that really grabbed me early on when I was first starting to get into more challenging movies. Yeah, I hear you. All right, everyone. So thanks for joining in. And uh, Noel and I are about to go to a bar and take care of all our troubles. Boom. We'll see you next week. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. 
Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.